What's up, anatomy nerds? Welcome to Anatomy Bites, a show for physical therapy students and beyond, where we discuss different parts of the body in bite-sized little chunks. This podcast is for anyone interested in learning anatomy for medical professionals, including PTs, MDs, pre-health students, and more. Thank you for joining us. Let's get on with today's show. And remember, this show is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice. Psst. Hey, you. Nerd. Yeah, you. Before we get started, can I ask you a favor? Has Anatomy Bites helped deepen your understanding of the human body? or helped you study for that lab practical that you were really struggling with? If so, would you mind helping us boost our rankings in your favorite podcast app? If you're feeling the love for Anatomy Bites and you want to share those good vibrations, can you please rate and subscribe to this show? It's super simple and it will help us a long way. If you're listening to this podcast on the Apple Podcasts app, Rating and leaving a comment is super quick and easy. All you need to do is scroll down from the main show page until you see ratings and reviews and tap those five little stars and leave a comment if you feel so inclined. If you're on Spotify from the main show page, just hit those three little dots in the upper right hand corner of your screen and select rate show from there. It's super easy and doing this small kindness will help boost our rankings and help others find out about the show. So if you're feeling the love, hook us up. Thanks and let's get on with it. What's up anatomy nerds? We've made it to season four. And this season is a symbolic season for us because maybe you hadn't caught on But season one through season three were the years of my DPT program. And season four is upon us, which can only mean one thing. We graduated, baby! (laughs) And we did it together. About a week ago, I received my doctorate. It was an absolutely surreal experience hearing my name announced by a professor with the word doctor in front of it. It still hasn't completely kicked in, although I'm getting more used to the idea. And, you know, I think of season four as... The first day of the rest of our lives. And I say our because we're doing this together. Me and you. And if there's anything that I can help you with as far as steering your path, steering your future, maybe it's this. Maybe it's helping you realize that it's never too late to change your mind. I started PT school when I was 35 years old. I started my prerequisites for PT school, my prereqs, in 2015. 
And in one way or another, I've been in PT school, working toward PT school, doing applications, volunteer hours, observation hours, a million jobs it seemed like at some times, but some kind of activity towards this pursuit since 2015. I've been a student since 2015, seven years straight. And that was the career change. I had a whole career before this. I graduated from undergrad in 2006. And you know, at some point down the line, I realized that what I was doing, while interesting and fulfilling in some ways, was not accessing the fullest part of my potential. And so the journey began. It hasn't been easy. If my circumstances were different, I would have had to go about this in a completely different way. But that's true of anything, right? In this life, we take what circumstances and resources we are currently given. And we put energy behind any change that we try to make. You know, it's the law of conservation of matter. Matter is neither created nor destroyed. It is simply transformed. And that transformation happens with energy. I'm going to let you listen to my dog dreaming as a reminder that we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. And of course she stops as soon as I give her the mic. Well... That being said, here we are. We are at stage one of the rest of our lives, right? Of course, every new day is the first day of the rest of your life, but we've closed a chapter and and we're moving on to post-grad school. My goodness, such a surreal feeling. And I'm, I'm tripping on it still because If I can talk about my personal circumstances here for a second, this is something I've been working on for a really, really long time. And perhaps you can relate. Perhaps you know what it feels like to be in constant motion forward towards a pursuit. And then you get to the end of it and a chapter closes and that energy that you've been putting towards this transformation now gets to transform into something else. I've had this hustle this deep, deep kind of motor driving me forward. Always, always somehow, at least at a a low hum, never quite off for so long. 
that I don't know how to not have something in the works. And maybe that's just my personality, but the fun part is here. The fun part is now I get to choose what the strife is for, what the the energy and that motor is going towards. Because I got the degree, you guys. I passed the test. I got the diploma. I got the license. And I got a job. And I got you. And let me tell you, I had a graduation party about a week ago. And probably one of my favorite things that happened that day, besides just getting to celebrate with everybody who I love near and dear, but the coolest part, one of the coolest parts was being able to tell everybody that part of my plan in moving forward is continuing this podcast in, in continuing what we have developed together. This is fun for me. This is a blast. <laughs> so thank you for being on this journey with me. And I sincerely mean that. You know, every time I, I log in to Anchor to just look at analytics, kind of look at the pulse check of where we are, I'm flabbergasted that we have 10,000 listens. I've barely done anything, I feel. And maybe, you know, let this be a motivator for you. Even when you don't think anyone is going to care about what you're doing, you're going to find the people that care. You may have to help them find you. You may have to look for them a little bit, but they're there. You know, if you build it, they will come. So what are you starting? What are you doing? I want to know, because maybe I want to follow you too. You know, Greg Todd is someone that you should follow. He helps DPTs and other PTs to start their own business. Someone else that you should follow is Dr. Shante Cofield. You may know Dr. Cofield as the movement maestro on Instagram. And they are helping anyone who wants to do some kind of community on Instagram to do that. And kind of the the theme between both of their messaging is just jump in and do it. Don't listen to that little critical voice inside your head telling you that you're not important because somebody will want to listen what you got to say. Somebody will be interested in what you're doing. 
And if you don't do, if you don't try, you'll never know. They'll never know. We're in a great time to make connections. The internet has made it so easy for us to build communities. And love it or hate it, love social media or hate it, that is one thing that you can't deny. So, thank you for being part of mine. We're in season four. This is the first episode of the rest of our lives. Thank you for being here with me. Let me know how I can help you. With that being said, don't give up on you. One day at a time. And if that's too much, one breath at a time. Speaking of breath, you know I'm going to turn this into an anatomy lesson. (laughs) Today we're talking core. Let's just do this. What does breath and core have to do with one another? God, I can't wait to tell you. I cannot wait to tell you. Because the core and the breath are everything. Maybe you've heard of Mary Mastery's soda can model. If you haven't, I'm going to tell you. Don't worry. (laughs) But let me tell you this. The core and the breath could not be more interrelated. They could not be more linked. And what does that have to do with the soda can? You'll find out. But let me tell you this. Something I learned in my last rotation which was infinitely interesting and changed the way I will see patients forever was the fact that we don't often recognize the full complexity of the core. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when we're thinking core, we're missing a few pieces. One of those pieces is a pelvic floor. And that was actually my last rotation was a pelvic floor rotation. So expect to hear a lot about the pelvic floor intermixed amongst everything else because I tell you, they don't teach it enough in PT school. They probably don't teach it enough in med school, but it is so vital. I cannot wait to blow your mind talking about the pelvic floor because of its relationship with the core, because it's part of the core. We'll get into details later. But for now, we'll start easy. We're gonna start with one of those muscles that is instantly recognizable as part of the core. We're just gonna dip our toe in and see that the water's fine before we go full ham on pelvic floor. (laughs) But we're talking transversus abdominis today. This muscle is the deepest of our abdominal layer and it's pretty unique and very important. And if you can hear my dogs snoring in the background, part of that is because they're transverse abdominis 
are working real hard right now. <laughs> All right, we're gonna come back with some O's, I's, and A's in clinical application. Before we do, I'd like to introduce myself to you for the very first time with my new title. Welcome to Anatomy Bites. I'm your host, Nick, AKA Dr. Nikki Ray Alkima, Doctor of Physical Therapy. Hang tight, we'll be right back. And here is the bite. Transversus abdominis, relations. The transversus abdominis, so called from the direction of its fibers, is the most internal of the flat muscles of the abdomen being placed immediately beneath the obliquus internus. It arises by fleshy fibers from the lateral third of the inguinal ligament, from the anterior three-fourths of the inner lip of the iliac crest, from the inner surfaces of the cartilages of the lower six ribs, interdigitating with the diaphragm, and from the lumbodorsal fascia. The muscle ends in front in a broad aponeurosis, the lower fibers of which curve downward and medialward, and are inserted together with those of the obliquus internus into the crest of the pubis and pectineal line, forming the inguinal aponeurotic falcs. Throughout the rest of its extent, the aponeurosis passes horizontally to the middle line and is inserted into the linea alba. Its upper three-fourths lie behind the rectus abdominis and blend with the posterior lamella of the aponeurosis of the obliquus internus. Its lower fourth is in front of the rectus abdominis. Innervations. The abdominal muscles are supplied by the lower intercostal nerves. The transversus also receives filaments from the anterior branch of the iliohypogastric and sometimes from the ilioinguinal nerve. Other sources also cite the subcostal nerve. Together, these would be supplied by the nerve roots of T6 through L1, T6 through T11 being the intercostal nerves, subcostal nerve being T12, and ilioinguinal and iliohypogastric as L1. Now for actions. When the pelvis and thorax are fixed, the abdominal muscles compress the abdominal viscera by constricting the cavity of the abdomen in which action they are materially assisted by the descent of the diaphragm. By these means, assistance is given in expelling the feces from the rectum, the urine from the bladder, the fetus from the uterus, and the context of the stomach in vomiting. So, there we have a lot to unpack. So I refer you back to the soda can model of Mary Massery. 
Now, maybe you've never heard of the soda can model, so let me briefly explain. Mary Massery states that the core can be thought of as a soda can. The top of the soda can being the diaphragm muscle, the bottom of the soda can being the pelvic floor. And the walls of the soda can wrapping around the cylinder, the abdominal muscles, and the multifidi. So what does this soda can have to do with the core, really? Well, I want you to think about this concept that we are constantly talking about in physical therapy, that being stability versus mobility. Let me explain. Before you do any action with your appendages, your arms, your legs, your body goes through a systemic stabilization process, creating stability at your core before you're able to initiate movement. Think about it. If you didn't have a stable core and you went to say, reach for something off the high shelf, you would fall. You would fall to the ground. Because if you didn't have a stable base from which to work, taking the lever arm of your extremity and extending it beyond your center of mass is going to make keeping your base stability much more difficult. So we always need stability before we have mobility. Let's take this back to the soda can. So when a soda can is closed, or you could really think of any can for that matter, when the can is closed and you try to squeeze that can, it's difficult. The walls create this pressure system. Nothing's coming in, nothing's going out, right? And so the contents within the soda can are protected and they're not going anywhere. And you try to squeeze that can and you can't really make a dent. But what happens if you open the can? If you perforate the wall or just simply snap open the top? Then you try to crush the can. And what's happening? The soda's spilling out. Suddenly you can dent the walls of the soda can. We can think of our core as exactly the same way. Again, the top of the can is your diaphragm and your glottis and epiglottis on top too. And what's keeping air from passing in and out would be your glottis. That's on the top end. On the bottom end, we have the pelvic floor. And if all your sphincters are working correctly and keeping closed when they need to keep closed, nothing's coming in, nothing's going out. But let's say there's dysfunction in the system, either on the top or on the bottom. And the soda is coming out of the can, so to speak. Now this can be air in the form of breath. This can be urine or feces leakage. If we're talking about what's coming out below, 
But either way, this is going to prevent stability within the system. So let's back it up a little bit because I said I wasn't going to get too into the weeds yet on pelvic floor because we need to work on basics first. Let's assume that the sphincters are working well in the southern region and that the glottis is keeping closed when we want it to up on top. What's happening with our breath? Okay, I know I said the glottis is keeping closed when we want it to, right? But let's say that we take an inhale so that glottis has to open. How does an inhale even happen? Your lungs don't have muscle. Your lungs are spongy tissue. So how does a breath actually happen? You need skeletal muscle for that breath to happen. But which one? Well, there's several. Let's just go for the basics. Your diaphragm is your primary muscle of respiration. And so what it is, is it sits underneath your rib cage. It actually attaches to your rib cage at the very bottom level. And it's shaped like an umbrella when it's at rest. And to produce an inhale, that umbrella actually flattens downward to become more like a pancake. And if you can imagine when you have that umbrella shape now pulling downward into a flat pancake, that is creating more room in your rib cage. And by way of Boyle's law in physics, the lung tissue expands with air. Okay? So the lungs don't have muscle. The diaphragm is the muscle doing the work for the inhale. So think back to that soda can now because the shape has changed if the diaphragm changed, right? The diaphragm is the top of that soda can. So let's pretend on that soda can that you took the top edge of the can and you pushed it downward. Where is the rest of the soda going to go? Well, the can is going to bulge, right? If you try to take the space that was there and morph it, the soda has to go somewhere. The organs have to go somewhere. Well, lucky for our bodies, the walls of our soda can, our abdominal muscles primarily, aren't stiff like that can. And so the abdominal muscles actually stretch with your inhale to allow your organs to move because you've got all of your abdominal pelvic contents down there. You've got your intestines, everything, your reproductive organs, the whole lot. So your abdomen actually stretches with your breath in. So your transverse abdominus and your other abdominal muscles have to relax for this breath in to happen. So while the diaphragm is contracting to pull the air into the lungs, 
The abdominals are relaxing and expanding. Same with the pelvic floor. And then what happens when you need to exhale that breath out? Well, here's where transversus abdominis starts to kick in. So at this point, the diaphragm begins to relax. And as the diaphragm slowly returns from its flat as a pancake shape back to its umbrella, the muscle is simply recoiling. Exhalation is very passive for the most part. We call this quiet expiration. So if we're not forcing out the exhale, everything's just kind of recoiling back into place. But in reality, I mean, how often are we completely just relaxed? Most of the time we're moving around, we're walking, maybe participating in a sport. So there's going to be some forced exhalation happening when you're moving. And here's where transabs comes into play. When you're having a forced exhalation, your abdominal muscles are actually helping to expel the air for the purpose of pressure generation within the core. And so if we remember at the very end of that inhale, when everything was a relaxed in the abdomen and stretched out and the organs were happy because they had places to move. Now we need to force some air out. So our trans abs, as well as our pelvic floor muscles are going to contract and compress. And the trans abs in particular, as they contract in, they're going to compress those organs. And by compressing the organs, they're basically making it so that the diaphragm has to push up because it's a closed system, see? So the abdominal muscles are shrinking to compress everything in and that by nature pushes the pressure upward, which then helps the diaphragm to expel the air. So that's more of a forced exhalation. Now, if we think of trans abdominis, TRA, we want to think of the direction of the fibers. They wrap around like a corset. And if you think about it, this is the body's own corset. This muscle compresses inward, right? So its primary purpose is that deep, deep stabilization. The generation and maintenance of pressure within the core, thereby helping create stability before mobility. It's really cool. And this is just one part of the core. I mean, it's so complex, like I mentioned before, but innately tied with the breath, as you can see. We'll talk more about Boyle's Law when we get to the diaphragm, 
because there's a lot to go with that whole discussion. And we'll talk more about the pelvic floor when we get to that part. But as you can see, the diaphragm, the transverse abdominis, and the pelvic floor with the breath all work in concert. And if we go back to Gray's description of the actions, Gray mentions the assistive action of the abdominal muscles in expelling feces, urine, and fetus from a uterus. How is that? How is that? Well, now we understand the role that this muscle plays in generating and maintaining core pressures. So same way as contraction of trans abs can help push pressure upward to exhale. Let's say we don't exhale, then where does that pressure go? If we contract transverse abdominis without an exhale, a pressure has to go somewhere. It's going south. So you see, especially in patients with pelvic floor dysfunction, with incontinence, for example, or with prolapse, discoordination of the transverse abdominis, the breath, and the pelvic floor. It's crazy, right? It's so relevant. And yet, we just think like, okay, let's do some crunches. Now we're doing core. Let's do some planks. Now we're doing core. Are you thinking about your breath? Because it's so, so related. Isn't it crazy? It's just amazing. And so, if there's discoordination, there's dysfunction. But go back to that action that Gray was talking about. Expelling feces, expelling urine, expelling a fetus from the uterus. There are times when we need that downward pressure. So let's think, you know, childbirth. You're going to need to use that bearing down in childbirth. Now there's a whole other discussion that we'll have to talk about another time, which is relaxing the pelvic floor muscles while contracting trans abs. That's tricky. That can happen during a bowel movement. That can happen during childbirth and it should. So this muscle is so much more complex than maybe we've thought about before. So I ask you this, fellow PTs and PT students, when you teach your low back pain patient, quote unquote, core exercises, are you paying attention to their breath? Are you paying attention of the coordination with the breath? with the abdominal work. Maybe now, if you didn't, you will. And when you hear little puppy snores, maybe you'll watch their bellies move with their breath. Just like this.
Well, that does it for today's show. What did you think? Did you love it? Did it leave you wanting for more? Let me know on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nikki-Ray. That's at N-I-K-K-I-D-A-S-H-R-A-E. Until next time, nerds, AB out. This show is written, produced, hosted, and recorded by Nikki Ray Alkima, Doctor of Physical Therapy. Moral support and occasional snoring provided by the resident pit bulls, also known as the Itty Bitty Pity Committee, Vita and Zoe. Anatomy readings are sourced from the United States public domain text, Anatomy of the Human Body, 20th edition, by Henry Gray and Warren H. Lewis. Opinions and commentary are my own and do not represent any institution or professional affiliation. Lastly, this show is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice.